Well, there's Mike Gundy. He doesn't like any of it. Traditionalist. Played in the Big 8, then uh, coached in the Big 12. That changed. He liked that. But I tend to agree with him. I'm, I, I wish it was the same as it had always been, and it never changed. Do you – you care about any of that or no? Uh, no, I, I like it. Actually, I like it the way that it is now, and I look at it selfishly from an OU perspective. Um, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm pretty excited about Alabama and Auburn and LSU and everyone else in the SEC coming here because I think at the end that's what's that's what's good for OU. I'm sorry, man. I can't what take – What about OSU and KSU? Yeah, and... I don't care about that. Yeah. Um, I am having a hard time taking that quote from Mike Gundy seriously. So let me let me fix this here. Let me see if I can do this successfully. I couldn't get the turkey call loud <laughs> enough. <laughs> there, there you go. I'll do it for you. Uh, I thought you were going to put the the fart sound he made in there. Um, there, yeah, there, there it is. Yeah, it sounds better. Okay. <laughs> now, now we can uh, approach the topic here. No, man. Like, um, if I were to ask you right now, what does OU's attendance look like ten years from now? Less, more, or the same? The same. Oh, stop! You don't really believe that. How can you have now. more than a sellout? Oh God, I don't know because more fans from the opposing teams will come here. I know what you mean, though. If every game's a sellout, how can you have more people? But they actually do have different numbers listed each game for attendance, even though they're all listed as a sellout. Oh, I know they're all listed as a sellout, and I can see who's sitting in the stands and tell if it's a sellout or Ex- not. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes, OU's attendance will be, I think, more in ten years from now than it is that in- has been a. Ten years from now, everyone will have like a little camera in the seat that they used to go sit at with like they can hook up to their Zoom and that's how they'll watch the game. That probably sounds pretty awesome to you the more that you think about it, right? (laughs) You can take a pic from your seat, but you actually don't have to show up. That's right. Yeah. It's hard to really project ten years out. But I see what you're saying. The move to the Southeastern Conference is going to be a good thing for OU. Yeah, it'll be a good it'll be a good thing for about forty schools, but those mid level schools, I don't know if it's going to be. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be as beneficial for them. It'll be good financially, but have fun going eight and five every year. Gosh, is that Arkansas fans right now? Yeah, that's that is every SEC team, every SEC fan base. I was going to say, except for like the good ones, but maybe even the good ones are going to say that. That's why I think it's so important to roll into that league and send a message. Don't go eight and five your first year. Can't go ten and two or eleven and one the first year in the conference. Um, here's here's why that narrative don't is out there. Give them that satisfaction. If you are a mid-level team in the Southeastern Conference, you're an eight and five squad. Your right now, your whole claim to relevance is how difficult the conference is, and everyone's praying that Oklahoma comes to the SEC and is an eight and four team, seven and five team, because they could say, "See, look, 
we told you, we told you it's going to be tougher here. Heck, we could go win the Big 12 every year. But it's not the case. You cannot allow that narrative to creep in. You can't do it. You can't go be uh, South Carolina at seven and six, or a um, a Mississippi State at seven and six, or even an Arkansas at nine and four. You can't let them say, "See, we told you it's going to be way harder here." You can't allow that because we know. Number one, it's just it's flat out not true. I'm not suggesting that Oklahoma is going to go in the SEC every single year, not at all. But to say that they're going to be a middle of the pack team in the SEC once they have uh, once they join the more difficult conference is a joke. Yeah the uh, the the only bad thing is if you roll into the league and you go eleven and one, it'll be well <laughs> they got that SEC bump. That's what happens when you come into this conference. Which my rebuttal will That's be: fine. Arkansas, you've been in the conference since nineteen ninety two. When's your SEC bump coming? Because it sure hasn't come yet. No, that that's true. They will say that, but hell, look at A and M in Missouri. A and M had its best year ever. Their first year in the SEC. Right. You. That's going to happen, but you can handle that. What you can't handle is, <laughs> well, huh? We told you. We told you it's going to happen. That is not what you want. That is not what you want. Yeah, and look, I can take some razzing from Alabama fans and even Georgia fans. Go but ahead. What I will not stand for, I will not stand for getting razzed by Arkansas fans and Texas A&M fans, right. and Mississippi State fans. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm not going to do it. Nope. And I hope no one else does it as well. My hope is that our uh, average number of fights uh, in a year uh, up significantly while in the SEC. Don't take crap from these people. Vanderbilt 0-8 in conference last year, well on their way to being the best program in all of college football. So their coach says. Doesn't that just sound stupid? It's no yeah. one wants to hear you say that. Don't do don't don't go and officially turn what you're about to say. Everything else that you do the rest of the time you're there is going to be a mockery. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah, lost me. Sorry, Clark. Yeah. Just sell me on how you're going to try to make it to a bowl game. Let's start there. Yeah. Building blocks, please. <laughs> yeah, sell us on uh, getting to six and six instead of two and ten. Uh, text line: Mike Gundy is a traditionalist, but does he know that traditionally OU dominated them? <laughs> uh, I pref- I do prefer the SEC to the Bulls be Big Twelve. He put the conference in the trash can. Uh, yeah, yeah. Had Muleshoe stayed, 8-5 and five would have been a good year in the SEC. Yeah, I know. Like, think about that now, right? Now that you kind of see a little bit more clearly what the program was and what its real deficiencies were, what would a program under him have looked like in the SEC? Yeah. I think we were blinded by that at the time. Oh, hell, it's Oklahoma. It's going to be fine. But... Looking back at it now, I don't think that would have been the case. Yeah, I think the I think the cracks in the facade had really started to 
really started to show. Um, you know, they they continued to win games when they were challenged to to maybe hide the ugly underbelly, but it it really started to show in that that last year's off season, right? We saw several things go down that were that were not good and it led right into a season where the team showed up in the opener did not look ready to play and it just kind of continued week after week and yeah it's it's way better now to to see a a program that has a vision that is willing to talk about the move to the SEC and what it's going to take to prepare, to prepare and be ready for that move so yeah i think it's i think it's good and yeah the it could have been it could have been bad had all of that been left to fester. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Hey, uh, 40 most impactful transfer players over the past five years. Of course, this is college football. Tell me if you agree with this top five. Uh, Joe Burrow ranked as the number one most impactful transfer over the yes. past five years in the sport. Jalen Hurts was actually number two. Justin Fields was three. Caleb Williams was four. Jordan Addison was number five. God, give me a break. Wait, start over. What is this list? 40 most impactful transfers over the past five years in college football. Joe Burrow, number one. Jalen Hurts, number two. Justin Fields, number three. Carl's Jr., number four. Jordan Addison, number five. How are you going to put two players on there that haven't even played a game? I don't know. In the top five? Yeah. Just a, behind a guy that won a national championship in a Heisman Trophy, a guy that finished second, and Justin Fields had a great career at Ohio State, was a first-round draft pick. Well, how about Kyler Murray? Over the past five years. I think the transfer maybe oh, had well, to yeah, in the past five years. I was thinking about his season. Yeah, his season was 18, but he, the transfer took place well before that. That is so stupid. I that is so stupid. You can't put someone on there that hasn't even played a snap at the new place that they're at. Spencer Rattler was number ten. Dylan Gabriel all the way back at twenty one. God, of course, right. And mm-hmm. then Mario Williams was at number thirty four. Jeez, why don't we? I mean, it's well that tells me that the transfer portal hasn't done a whole lot of anything. <laughs> hey, are we sure Jordan Addison's going to play a game at USC? We sure that's going to happen? He sure seems upset about his lack of payment that's been going on. What's the latest on that? Did the squeaky wheel get the payment? Uh, I'm sure that he ended up getting the payment in some form or fashion. Hmm. Yeah, well. Don't do that. Don't put an impact, the fourth highest impact player on a transfer list whenever he hasn't even played a game at his new University. Who was it? Was it Jamison Williams that transferred from Ohio State to Alabama? That dude was awesome last year. He deserves to be in the top okay. five. Put him in over Caleb Williams or Jordan Addison. Sure. Uh, anyone that has transferred from one university to another I'll, I'll give you and one. has played in a game is more impactful. I'll give you one who deserves to be in the top five over these guys, and it hurts to say it. Trey Sermon was real good his last year at Ohio State, or his only year at Ohio State. Right, right. I agree. That was a throwback from the past there. Um, 
Yeah, you can't put someone that hasn't played yet at their new transfer place as most impactful. Oh, but okay, but Dylan Gabriel's all the way back at twenty one. All right. What has to happen? What does he have to accomplish? What does the next year or two years have to look like for him to be thought of like this transfer was as impactful as Joe Burrow to LSU, Jalen Hurts to OU, Justin Fields to Ohio State? He has to go undefeated. Win a national championship, win the Heisman Trophy, rescue a bunch of kids from a burning bus, uh, fund a children's hospital, um, find the cure to cancer, and finally uh, bring a ceasefire to Ukraine and Russia. So if, that's so that's it. Right? If he does that, that he'll is. make the top five list. Manageable. Yeah, he'll make the top five if that occurs. Um, Seriously, though, if if he goes, wins the conference, and makes a college football playoff, then he'll probably be on the list. Yeah, probably. And he should be. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge – I mean, how – OU would have gotten someone at quarterback, but you know they'd probably get Jackson Dart as the other guy. And they're sitting down there at Ole Miss right now saying, I mean, we think this guy can play, but after the spring we're not entirely sure if he can – your thoughts would be drastically different if you didn't have that Jeff Levy, Dylan Gabriel connection. Because dude was at UCLA for two weeks, right? He was already yeah. at UCLA. I mean, well, that, that might be one of the most underrated things about the entire Jeff Levy hire. Forget about what he's going to do next year and go up tempo and all that. I don't know if there's another OC that gets Dylan Gabriel to Norman like he did. Right. Well, time will tell. There's a chance that Dylan Gabriel can't hack it in the Big 12. And okay, the numbers the numbers and such that he put up at the University of Central Florida, he cannot replicate in a conference with better players, better defenses. Um, you know, that's the argument, right? That's the argument is he's going to be up against a, a – a tougher competition, and it's not going to be nearly as easy for him. Uh, text line, Trey Sermon was good when Ohio State finally figured out how to use him. Yeah. yeah tail end of the year, he was awesome, man. Gunny of Stutzman's Army, people that make this these lists are oxygen thieves. <laughs> Did we ever uh, figure out that. why Lincoln Riley quit handing the ball to Trey Sermon? No. Just and honestly, I, I, I don't know if there's a reason that makes any sense. We never found out anything? No. It, What's the scuttlebutt? Like, he answered any tough questions when he was around here. There yeah. is no scuttlebutt. The scuttlebutt is it was a horrible decision to go about it that way. Right. Dude played a national championship game the next year. Right. Joe Burrow sucked his first year. Well, They won the Fiesta Bowl that year. He may have sucked his first year, but he did not suck the second year. Uh, I've got it here. 76% completion, 60 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Mm. Half of those were against <laughs> OU that, that day in Atlanta. We would have been the Mississippi State in the SEC under Lincoln Riley. Uh, I think that's a stretch. We would have been better than that, but point taken. What's the two teams in the SEC like K-State and Iowa State that will consistently sneak, sneak up and beat OU? Uh, 
let's see. Who's sneaky? Kentucky? Yep. I think Kentucky is a sneaky, tough, physical, uh, defensive-minded football team that that you, for whatever reason, dismiss. Um, Don't say Tennessee. I know you want to say Tennessee. I can see it on your face, but no way. No way, Tennessee. Tennessee. There's really – the only other teams that are really in that range would be like – would be – Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Arkansas. Auburn has fallen into that category, honestly. They have. Yeah. Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss. I say Kentucky's the team right now. Mm-hmm. Kentucky with a possibility of – See, if Tennessee gets it rolling, like they immediately are will not be able to be compared with Kansas State and Iowa State. Too big, too too good at recruiting. Like to go in and and play Kansas State in that state in Manhattan is it's tough. It's you know, it's a loud place, energetic fans, but it's like fifty thousand. Tennessee has over twice as many people in that stadium. It's just – it's not comparable. Kentucky's really the only one that's comparable. Missouri? Well, yeah, you're not going to consistently lose to Missouri. I, go ahead and mark me down on that one, please. And let's hope that we don't have to consistently play Missouri while in the SEC. Oh, no doubt. Also put me down for that one, please. Though they do – we did find out earlier this week they have a lazy river on campus. Uh, I am yeah. somewhat intrigued by that. Maybe it's Vanderbilt as they're about to start their rise to be the best program in the country. Maybe that's going to be the sneaky team. Who knows? All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Final hour of the rush inside the Brian O'Haver Studios. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. I mean, Dabo doesn't have to prove anything to anybody about how great of a head coach he is. You think he's got a little bit more juice than normal this offseason? People saying, oh, he lost Vittables and he lost Chavis and he lost Bates. Uh, Clemson's going to be on the downswing now. I bet he's got a little bit more juice to show. Hey, I can do it by myself, too. Are, is anyone saying that, though? Uh, yeah, there's some people saying that. There's some people and saying I, and that. And I bet it's a lot louder out in that area of the country than it is here. Hmm. Um, we'll see. He's done a really good job. You know, the Venables hire was, gosh, what, decade um, almost that he lasted there. He's made a couple of good offensive coordinator hires that have been good. So right now they've got no reason to doubt that he can replace those guys, but if you know, if you don't start off good, that doubt may creep in with some people and that's going to be the question. Big year for them. And they've got a they've got a great schedule to go off and uh and try and 
make a playoff and win a national championship. And, you know, people that know that roster well say they are loaded and they should win a championship. That's this fine. Year. Um, they got to get better quarterback play. You yeah. tell me they're going to get better quarterback play, then let's ride. O line. I guess, I guess uh, DJ Uyungle has uh, lost a lot of weight. Um, he's ready to go. But yeah, they got to get better quarterback play. They better block someone this year, too. Yeah. That would, that would help. He, their offensive line was a disaster last year, but Uyungle was not good either. So. No, he's got to get a lot better. Listen to his numbers a year ago. He got a true freshman right behind him, too. Don't look behind you. Here comes Cade Klubnick. Might take your job. Ah, uh, the Klubnick kid. Uh-huh. He completed 55% of his passes a year ago. Take a guess at his touchdown to interceptions. Uh, Right around 2-1. to one. Nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Oh, my God. <laughs> For the whole season? Yeah. The whole season, he threw nine touchdowns? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy, did they, right? Were they running – did they have the Army 1952 playbook? Is that what they were using last year? Three hundred touchdowns? 374 passing attempts wow. netted nine touchdowns. Wow. That is that – is, That's like – You got to, like, try. I mean, at least a few times a year – you throw something short, and you got so many good athletes at Clemson that one of those guys is going to break something that they're not supposed to. Like, that just happens on accident sometimes. I don't know. Man, nine touchdowns. That is incredible. That's crazy. I, whenever I, I was like, let's just take a peek at his statistics and see what they look like. I did not expect nine touchdowns, ten interceptions. Me thinks that uh, twenty-one. He got sacked twenty-one times. Uh, let me just go ahead and predict that he doesn't make it through the year as the starter. And then they go to really Cade Club, the Clubnik kid. If you have nine <laughs> touchdowns and ten interceptions, I think you go into the next season with a pretty short leash. Just uh, a hunch. Yeah. It's like you better prove it to me in the first three weeks of the season, yeah. bud. <laughs> But there was a lot of – didn't, like, their whole offensive line get hurt? Didn't they lose, like, three or four guys off their starting offensive line? I'm willing to overlook it and give him the benefit of the doubt moving into the 2022 season. But if it's not way better than that, they got problems. Um, all right, I'm going to give you a few teams here in Cruton. You tell me flash in the pan or something we can expect. Okay. Notre Dame currently has the number two class right now. Is this a flash in the pan type of uh, class for them or something we can expect with Marcus Freeman? I expect them to recruit really well with Marcus Freeman. Are they going to be a, a top two or three class every year? That may be asking a bit much, but they're going to be right there around the top five. Clemson's got the number four overall class. Nothing new for the Tigers, but turnover on the staff. Is this a flash-in-the-pan type of thing, or are they still going to be there? Expect it. Mm. What about Tennessee at number seven? Um, not enough information given. Um, I think that class is – way higher than what it really should be because of the quarterback. Like, if they're not taking a top quarterback every single year, is it going to be that high? 
This is Heupel's first real true recruiting class, though. So maybe we should expect them. I don't think they're going to be like a top five type of class every year, but I would say that get used to Tennessee if they have another good season this year, which I think they're going to be in – Right around that top ten mark. Not enough information given, a.k.a. for Teddy. He thinks this is a flash-in-the-pan type of class. Not true. But he doesn't want to come after his boy, Josh Heupel. Not true. OU at number nine. Something we could expect moving forward, or is this a one-time thing? Not a one-time thing, but it's not going to be a regular thing. I expect the University of Oklahoma to consistently be inside the top ten, and – Perhaps on some years, even threaten Tyler to make their way into the top five. Last one, Arkansas currently has the number 12 class. Sam Pittman going to make this a usual thing? Um, Let's see. Where was Arkansas last year? I'm going to guess not at number 12. They were not. Probably been a while since they've been ranked this high in recruiting. Number 28. I think it's a flash in the pan. I think it's a flash in the pan. Yeah, I definitely not think going to be consistently in the top fifteen. I don't think. Mm, let's hope after that that they're <laughs> not routinely in the top fifteen. Oh, that's amazing! All right, text line: Missouri probably has to use a lot of chlorine in the Lazy River. I think there are many people who want to cross off bucket list items of doing things in the Lazy <laughs> River. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, I don't. The Lazy River on campus, it seems like a good idea, but when it's on campus, it feels like all the fun could be um, taken away from it. But I don't know. Probably not likely, but how cool would it be to see a Clemson OU national championship? It would be cool to see. O- OU in any national championship. It's been since 2008, so whether it's Clemson or USC or Alabama, yeah, they all sound pretty cool to me. An o- yes, it would be great. I prefer to see a OU Bama, OU Ohio State, OU Clemson, uh, OU Notre Dame, OU Georgia. What I don't want, I, I'm not going to complain obviously, but what I don't want is like Utah to make the playoff and like Ohio State's quarterback gets hurt in the the first quarter and the backup comes in and throws three picks, Utah wins, and then OU plays Utah in the national championship. Would you rather have OU play Utah in the national championship at any given location? Who cares? Or OU play LSU again in New Orleans for the national championship? I'd rather play LSU in New Orleans. <laughs> you had to think about it, though. I did. But you know exactly what I'm talking about, I know. Right? I know. You get, well, yeah, they finally broke through and win one, but come on. Like, Utah. The stars had to exactly. align. Y- yes, yes. Because, look, no one is going to feel bad for trying to crap on OU's national championship if it if it's under a situation like that. Exactly right. Exactly like, right. You know, what's, you know what's funny is we could replay the entire – 2000 season all over again, right? And if OU were to have that year against that team in 2022, you know what the narrative would be? 
well, yeah, but we all know that Miami was the better team than Florida State, and no way OU would have beat Miami. I, I consider Miami the real national champions of this year. Right. Yes. Everyone's just looking for a reason. Yes. Yep. I I want OU to be uh, the four seed and beat Alabama. Uh, I don't know what in the Peach, whatever's closest, whatever they want, the toughest spot possible. And then beat what Ohio State in Indy or wherever. If, like. if I could draw it up um, exactly how I want it, you would beat Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Go basically ahead. Basically, be I, I got your attention right now, don't I? Mm-hmm. Got Georgia basically beat them in a home game in Atlanta, and then you beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Sugar Bowl because not USC in the Rose. No, I don't want USC in the. No, gotcha. I don't want that. Um, I want to beat like second best program right now, Georgia. Beat them in Atlanta home game, and then beat Alabama, the premier program. But do it in a city that's close to them and the city that I would prefer the national uh, next national championship come in, which is New Orleans. Please yeah. let the next national championship happen in New Orleans. Which good, I guess, if the next one is this right. Has OU ever well, – I think 1950. Did 1950, did they play in the Sugar Bowl? I'm trying to think of all of the Played Kentucky, cities didn't they? where OU has won a national championship. It, I know it was different back then and how they voted on it, but – Didn't they beat Kentucky in – Did they lose to Kentucky in 1950? And still won the championship? Because OU claims it, Kentucky claims it, Tennessee claims Maybe. it. Maybe. I don't know. Don't know, but – that would be awesome. I may never come back from New Orleans if they win the next national championship there. I'm like, I just like I don't know if I'll be physically alive. Yeah. Well, we lost to Clemson, Bama, and Georgia in playoff games. Am I missing one? LSU. Uh, LSU. Yeah. I I try to forget that one too. If I were yeah. you, um, we <laughs> that was in a playoff game. That doesn't count. Um. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't mind playing any of those teams in any of the like run. I, run it through the best. That's what I'm talking about. Run it through the best. But any championship is a good one. You just have to fight off the haters. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Couple of segments left. Hit us on the text line six five one three four three nine. All right, maybe he's just having a bad day, and as much as we like to laugh at all the things that he says, if he's going to continue to be as flimmy as he was in Atlanta this week, there may be a temporary hold moving forward on this show about <laughs> Mike Leach audio. It is funny, we do laugh at it, but some of those are just sounded awful. Yeah. Ah, man, figure it out, Leach. Yeah, he's what... He's operating on Auburn and Alabama going to the east and in Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, Mike, they're what, probably not, not going happen. to do divisions in the SEC. 
I think they're going to do a nine-game SEC schedule with no divisions and probably that one-eight method is what I would guess. E- or three-six. I mean, but it looks like that's kind of where we're where we're headed with this whole thing. Yeah. I would prefer the one-eight over the three-six. What's the one-eight? The one eight is you're locked into one opponent. Oh, you would play Texas every single year, and the other eight games in the conference would rotate. No, I hate that one. You like the three six better? Three six. You six. you really like you want to roll with maybe playing Missouri every single year? Well, would be an easy win. The way I understand the three six six is you play your three pod teams. Right, that you're in a pod with, and then your other, your other, your remaining conference games. This is based on a, a nine-game conference schedule. So three, six, six. Your pod teams is the first three. The next six is you have six opponents from the conference. However, they select that, and then the next year. You play the other six that you did not play um, in year one. You still play your pod teams, but then year two you play the other six, and then you, which means you play every team in two years, and then after that, I, I'm guessing you should rotate, go back to the original six, and then you play the teams you were at home. You play them on the road, and vice versa, and. You flip it. So you should be able to play every team in the conference over a four-year span, both home and away. Yeah, I 1-8, I like it because you can maybe move uh, through everyone in the conference even faster than that if you're not locked into two other opponents uh, every single year. My problem with that one is I think it leaves way too much room for playing favorites on how they divvy up the schedule. Oh, there's no doubt that's going to happen. No. And we're talking about Alabama here. I mean, definitely. But I feel like they're probably going to get that, be it the you know 1-8 or the 3-6 model. They're, they're probably going to get that, that sort of treatment. Which, whatever. Hmm. What does that text mean? 1-8 is mathematically not possible. You play one team and then rotate through – Eight others, I don't know how. I guess. Well, I think what they're saying is, it's not possible to, to, like to do it where you play one group one year and one group the next. That's not. That's why I don't like one eight. Is because, it's it's a random group of teams every single year. It's not. You play a group one year and then you play a new group the next year. That's not what one eight is. It's just you have your locked in game that you're guaranteed to play, and the other eight are randomly selected by SEC scheduling to where Alabama has the easiest run of it. That's what it means. A uh, couple texts here. What do you guys think for an over or under for Dylan Gabriel on passing yards? 4,000 over or under. Passing TDs, 40 over or under. Dang, that's gonna that's a year right there. Uh, over 4,000 yards and 40 TDs. I too mean, high. They're going to run a lot of plays, but, man. Uh, I think um, – I think the over-under passing yard number is 3,500. 
I think the over-under touchdown mark is 30. Uh, deal or no deal style? Would I take 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns? Mm, yes. I'm going to go ahead and take that, please. So the reason I, how I came up with that number is I think um, I think Corral was just like 3,400 last season. And then Gabriel's two full seasons in, in this offense, he was – 2019, 3,600 yards, 29 touchdowns. 2020, 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns. So I think it's I think that's right there within yeah. reason. Matt Corral had 3,349 yards with 20 touch, 20, just 20 touchdowns, 20 touchdowns and five interceptions. Yeah, I think he had a bunch of rushing. But they touchdowns had yeah, too. he had 11 rushing touchdowns, and Snoop Connor had 13 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, I I think that. I don't think Gabriel's going to run the ball near as much as no, 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 no. Let's hope not, right? Yeah, it's a good thing if he doesn't. Like he'll make some plays with his feet at times. Yeah, I definitely think that's going to happen. But they ran Corral. It felt like thirty times against Tennessee last year, or was it even more than that? Uh, I think it was maybe around thirty, though. That's that. I don't foresee that situation happening with Dylan Gabriel. Um, I think Gabriel has. I think 3,500 yards is the number. That's the over-under. I think 30 touchdowns is good. And I'll throw seven interceptions in there. And that is – I mean, that's a tough number, but that's the most he's thrown in a season. Do you think the program's relationship with Josh Heupel will improve or decline with the move to the SEC? Would really love to have him back in the family. You said this uh, a little over a month ago, and I, I think it's spot on. If there is a guy to mend that relationship, it's Brent Venables. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I think it's Brent Venables. You know, Josh Norman also is working up there now. He's kind of in charge of, like, the former players stuff, uh, the alumni stuff, and they're best friends and roommates in college. So um, I think there's some pieces in place to where – that is a possibility, but who knows? It would be awesome. First time Tennessee's here, if you did some sort of a standing ovation for him or video tribute or just something before kickoff, Oh yeah, that, that would be sweet. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they will. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final segment is next. Stay tuned.